Hey everyone, welcome to Tetsuo Tells a Story. I'm Tetsuo. It's October, and I got a few stories up my sleeves to share. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe and share my videos with family and friends. If you have any topics or ideas that you'd like for me to do, place them in the comments below. Without further ado, relax and turn on your nightlights. Please enjoy this episode titled True Scary October Stories to Chill Your Soul. Story 1 I hope to never experience this ever again. Sorry for the long story. This happened at my previous house before moving out. My wife and I both worked in offices, so our work hours are practically the same. We have three kids, all under the age of 15. Each time we work, our babysitter would be here an hour before her shift starts. Our house is a split-level, updated house. Yes, we made sure that there wasn't any crime committed or deaths during the years of the property. It was a peaceful and quiet neighborhood. Additionally, the neighbors were quite friendly on top of that. Never once did we experience anything strange or out of the ordinary until our last week before purchasing a new house and selling the one that we were in. If my memory serves me right, this happened in 2016, at the end of October, a typical day for my wife and I coming home to our kids. She did some house chores while I watched the kids. My wife cooked, the kids did their homework, and I was in my office working on some bills. Right before 8pm, as the sun is slowly setting, I went in to check on the kids if they were doing their homework, and then I gathered everyone to the kitchen for dinner. Before getting to the kitchen, all the kids were in the bathroom, washing their hands as they normally do. After watching the kids pack their homework away and wash their hands, we all walked to the kitchen for dinner. My wife, who I thought was setting up the dinner table, was out in her patio deck, talking to her mother. I went ahead and set up the dinner table with plates and finished up cooking whatever she started. It was about 9pm when I got everything done in preparation to eat dinner. The kids sat at the table, and I knocked on her glass sliding door giving a hand gesture to my wife to come inside and eat. I couldn't see her, so I turned on the patio light outside. She turned around and nodded her head. Yes. So there we were, eating without my wife. While I was eating, I periodically checked on my wife outside. From her body posture and hands covering her face, it looked as if she was crying. Right before I could get up to check on her, she stormed inside, crying. I've never seen her like this before, so this is all new to me. I didn't know how to react. Neither did our kids. She ran downstairs to our second living room space and sobbed on the sofa. I chased after her asking her what was wrong. Every time I asked, she cried more and more. So after about 30 minutes of her crying, she finally told me what happened. Her aunt passed away. She was in her late 60s, and the cancer that she was battling finally took her life. Fast forward to signing documents to her new home. On her last day 
at our old place before renting it out to tenants. We took the kids out to have one last night at the old place before calling it good and leaving it forever. The house was completely empty, aside from the air mattresses that I had bought for our last night there. After visiting the mall, we came home around 10pm. Exhausted and beat, we all went straight to sleep on the air mattresses. We all slept in one room, the master bedroom. All the bathrooms have motion sensor lights because my kids would wake up at night and use the bathroom. And I installed it to make it easier. I could remember this happening as if it was just a few minutes ago. My wife and I couldn't sleep, but the kids were fast asleep. We stood up around 1am, tired and exhausted. Our eyes sort of dozed off. My wife softly said, Hun, I'm going to try to sleep, okay? I nod to acknowledge her. A few minutes passed. She mumbled, How are you, auntie? Of course. Instantly I thought she was talking in her sleep, so I thought nothing of it. A few minutes went by and I felt a hard breathing on my face. I opened my eyes and my wife was sitting in a cross-legged position with her head leaning over just inches away from my face. I was freaked out and I jumped a little, but I tried my best to remain calm. I asked her, what are you doing? Why aren't you sleeping? She stared dead into my eyes laid back against the pillow, and gave me an evil smile. Then she turned her back against me to sleep. 2am came around. I was very scared now and couldn't sleep. Still, I was so tired. I kept my eyes closed in hopes that I will somehow fall asleep. Trying really hard to fall asleep. I noticed that the bathroom light was on. I got up and checked the bathroom, thinking that maybe it was faulty or something. I turned off the motion sensor, closed the bathroom door, and proceeded to our air mattress. The air mattress was located next to our big bedroom window, and with the moonlight shining, you could somewhat see everything inside the bedroom. I saw the wife using a towel, drying her hair. Right at that moment, just about every hair in my body stood up. My heart was racing, and my mind couldn't comprehend what I was seeing, if it was fake or if it was real. I softly asked, Baby... Why aren't you sleeping? The response I got back took my breath away. The wife said, I'm going to be buried. I need to clean myself. Puzzled and scared, I called her mother since she was a shaman at almost 3 a.m. Surprisingly, her mother was still up. I told my mother-in-law to please come over. Something strange was happening to her daughter, and I didn't know what to do. I had to explain everything to her, and she said to put her on speaker. So I had her mother on speaker, and the volume on max. Her mother sang some long spiritual songs for a good few minutes. While that was going on, my wife just stared at me with a smirk smile on her face. Drawn to her looking at me, I started to notice that her face features didn't look like my wife at all. And that's when it hit me. From that second, my body just froze. That person 
was her aunt. Her eyes then focused away from me, and she started pointing at the corner, yelling, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. She got up, and in an instant, right in front of me, she opened her mouth, and I could hear multiple women crying. Keep in mind, this was at night happening in my bedroom. I've never been so terrified in my life. And from there, she continued to slowly walk to the corner while staring right into my eyes. She reached the corner and started crying, saying, I will take you with me. I will take you with me. From there on, I don't remember anything else. I woke up drenched in sweat with slight recollection of what happened. My wife slept on the corner and that's where I found her. My kids were still sound asleep. And over to my side, my wife's mother was there, along with two bullhorns and the shaman mask. I asked my mother-in-law what she was doing here and why my wife was at the corner. My mother-in-law told me that the person who my wife was on the phone with was the aunt who passed away. The dead aunt's spirit took over my mother-in-law's body and contacted my wife since they were very close. The aunt wasn't happy about her death and that an evil spirit was coming after her before she had passed. So the dead aunt's spirit took possession of my wife's body in hopes to chase after the evil spirit and to punish the evil spirit. Hearing this sent shocks throughout my spine. A few days later, I asked my wife if she remembered anything from that night. Her response was, What are you talking about? I was asleep downstairs. I responded back, saying, No, hun, you were sleeping right next to me. And your aunt, your dead aunt, she took possession of your body. <laughs> she laughed at me thinking that I was being silly and said, No, baby, I had to wake up in the middle of the night to shower. Then I slept downstairs because it was cooler. During that night, I guess she had taken some photos of the stuff that she had wrote on the floor, saying that she would miss this place and for the tenant to take care of the property. She showed me the pictures and also some video clips that she recorded that night downstairs. Yes. So during that night, and also when I woke up, apparently, it wasn't my wife. It was the aunt who we saw, clearly sleeping at the corner of our bedroom. Needless to say, we ended up selling the property after a few months to the tenants. We were able to make a deal with them. The property is in North St. Paul. My apologies for the long story, and I thank you for your time listening to my experience. I hope nothing like this ever happens to anyone else. Story 2 This happened last year during October. My husband and I, along with our daughter, went to visit my parents in Oshkosh. We decided to spend the night since it was getting late and my husband was tired. As my parents went to sleep upstairs, my siblings and I were in the living room talking or using the computer while my husband went to sleep in my parents' room. They don't sleep in there much since it's too cold and they don't like the coldness. 
So my husband and I took that room. Anyways, he was sleeping alone, and for some reason, I went to check on him. I sort of woke him up by hugging him from the back, and he turned around and asked if I had came inside the room before. He crossed him over to the other side of the bed. I looked at him weird and I shook my head, no. He got a little scared, but didn't want to show it. So after that happened, I decided to ask my mom to look into this strange thing that happened to my husband. After a few days, we went back to see them, and my mom said that these spirits were only passing by, and saw my husband sleeping, so they dropped by to see him. They already left and, and won't come to bother him. My husband is still scared to this day, that whenever we're at my parents' house, he would make me sleep on that side of the bed to make sure that whatever it was that came to visit never does it again. Story 3 This is my first story. It may not be dramatic or particularly scary to some people, but I wanted to share this experience anyways. I recently got a job at a hotel downtown from where I live. I have never worked in the hotel industry before, so I have no idea what to expect. This time between applying for the job and being hired was less than 24 hours, which made me nervous, but I had been looking for several months and couldn't find any, so I thought I'll take my chances. The hotel is about 150 years old and has plenty of character. Behind the front desk, there are places where the wallpaper has been torn away revealing a psychedelic wallpaper from what I can only guess is to be the 1970s. We're talking bright pink, neon green, hookah-induced vision type of wallpaper. The walls in the upper floors are painted bright orange and yellow, and the hallways are narrow enough to give off that shining kind of feel to it. But I'll elaborate on that later. The manager is a young Chinese man in his mid-twenties, only about five years older than me. The man who owns the building is also Chinese. The owner is friendly and kind to the employees, but he's also rich enough that he doesn't really care if this hotel isn't up to par. I learned recently that he also owns one of the more run-down shopping centers downtown. So... This might explain the less than 5 star quality of the hotel. Probably about a 3.5 star in my opinion. Some people describe the place as quaint, unique, full of character. While others describe it as outdated or disappointing. As a history enthusiast, I would agree that this place is full of character. But... I also think the owner should be a little bit more concerned about keeping the place clean. There are a lot of problems in this hotel, including mice, broken toilets, falling ceiling tiles, leaks, and other maintenance nightmares. The fancier rooms on the upper floors have real fireplaces in them, so that adds the risk of fires at the hands of careless guests. Mice are a common problem, and I'm thankful the guests don't have to see all the dusty traps filled with dead rodents in the basement. But by far, the most interesting aspect of the hotel is that it's supposed to be haunted. There are two ghosts that have been reported in the building, as well as the adjoining pub next door. Back when the hotel was first built, it had a reputation of being a complete dive. A lady now named Lady Churchill died in the hotel 
and her spirit supposedly lingers in the haunted room, 49. Guests will occasionally smell her perfume or see her face in the mirror. One of the most frightening stories includes someone opening the door only to have Lady Churchill fly at them in fury. Lady Churchill has also been spotted at the fireplace in the pub arguing with her boyfriend, the other residential ghost, Brady. Brady was stabbed to death on a basement stairwell. That stairwell is not used anymore as it led from the street directly into the basement. Instead, it is used to store extra chairs and miscellaneous items. The light is never on, which adds more of a creep factor. My shift for the day, the day shift, is from 7am to 3pm. Every morning when I come in, I have to check the entire hotel by myself in search of homeless people sleeping in the back, stairwell, or trying to get in through the basement. I'm not an intimidating person. I'm a short female, not physically fit, and too friendly for my own good. If I did find someone hiding in the hotel, what was I supposed to do about it? I'm not sure which creeps me out more. The fact that I'm going through looking for people who shouldn't be there, or the idea that I have to walk through dark and silent areas known to be haunted, all by myself. The sweep of the hotel includes four floors of guest rooms, the kitchen, the back stairwell, the basement stairwell, and the basement. To give you some context, the back stairwell serves as a fire escape, connecting all the floors together. It goes straight down to the street level. It's always cold and echoey in there. And as I said before, full of dead mice. When I was first told about the haunted stairwell, I mistakenly thought they meant the fire escape stairs as they go to the basement level. The four floors for guest rooms and all their overlooked hotel glory are shaped like a square horseshoe which means that there are more than enough blind corners where creepy twins might suddenly appear. Lady Churchill's haunted room is at the end of the hall around one of these blind corners. And yes, I do think about that every time I search the hotel. There is an elevator and an interior stairway, the one that guests are supposed to use. Behind the elevator is this old connecting hallway that basically serves no purpose now. In the past, it may have been useful, but now it just serves as a secret passageway that goes behind the elevator and comes out of the other side of the horseshoe. This hallway especially needs to be searched for homeless people, drunks, or people fornicating. The basement is by far the creepiest part of the hotel. To get there, you can either take the elevator or go through the pub and down the stairs. I prefer to go through the pub because there are a lot of fascinating white and black photos from when the hotel was first built. And I love to look at them. It is also the best place to see the age of the brick foundation. Anyways, the basement is used for storing bear kegs, firewood, planter pots, housekeeping items, maintenance tools, among many other things. Now that I know the dark, unused basement stairwell is where Brady's spirit is supposed to be, I think I'll try to spend even less time down there. This week is my second week of work, and my boss has put me into the afternoon-evening shift, just so I can get a sense of what it's like, in case I have to cover for anyone in the future. Yesterday was my first late shift, and in that time, I learned a whole bunch of things that 
I did not know from the lady that I worked with. This woman, let's call her Peggy. Peggy has been at the hotel for over 14 years. She's seen all there is to see and is well known for her stories. I've listened to some of these stories and honestly, a part of me thinks she's full of it. But there are other stories that she told that I might believe her on the chance that it might be true. Here are some things I've learned about the hotel in that span of one shift. 1. The man I'm replacing was not actually fired for chronic lateness, as my boss has told me, but instead he was fired for sexual harassment. The head of housekeeping, a man that I get along with very well, is a friend of his. 2. The day before, Peggy caught a drug addict rooting around the private back office after hours. We looked over the security footage and he was definitely searching for something. We now keep the office doors locked. 3. There were two guests several years ago who stayed at the hotel and the next day they robbed a jewelry store downtown with everything that they've stolen. There was a massive police standoff on the roof squat teams and all. There's a news article about it. Otherwise, I would have never believed it. 4. The bedrock of the hotel can be found in the boiler room. There's a slight gap that has been filled in on the top right corner that connects directly to the street. One time, Peggy came down to the basement to find a man half through the gap head first, trying to get in because he wanted to know what was in here. That image frightens me. In the span of that one night shift, an alarm went off in the basement. The police showed up at the pub, and a guest verbally abused the day staff over a non-existent shuttle to the hospital. And at my bus stop, after my shift, a man was shooting up in public. My city has a drug epidemic going on right now. My bus took half an hour to arrive, and when I got to my stop, it was foggy at Silent Hill. I felt as though I should be looking around for Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. It is October, after all. After one night shift down, I'll have another one tonight, and one more the day after. If anything else interesting happens, I'll keep you folks updated. I mostly just wanted to get this all off my chest. It's amazing how different the hotel is after 3pm. Much louder, that's for sure. Thanks to the pub on one side, and the bar on the other. Everyone I've known during my first week of work has already gone home, leaving me with drunks, strangers, and Peggy's crazy stories. One thing's for sure, after three nights of this, I'll never complain about getting up early again. Story 4 This happened in 2011 when I was 7 years old. I'm a girl and I'm 14 now. I just talked to my mother about this incident and decided to share it. So, I lived with my grandmother, father, mother, and two dogs, quite far from any town. The house was big, so I usually play hide-and-seek with my mom a lot. I don't remember which month it was, so my mom filled me in on this. She said that it was October, during the holidays. This one particular day... My dad was out driving my grandma to the hospital as she needed an appointment with the doctor so I was left alone with my mom. After several rounds of hide and seek and watching a movie with my mom it began to get dark outside and my dad still wasn't home. 
I've always been scared of potential home invasions, so I was paranoid all day because my dad wasn't with us. He always made me feel very safe. So my mom and I decided to play Monopoly. Fast forward an hour, when I was seven, I, I thought that I was very sly, so I kept stealing money from my mom's stash. Now that I look back, she was probably pretending not to see, as I was taking a $50 bill from her Monopoly cash. She said, the power will go out soon. This left me quite puzzled, as I had no idea how she would know this. But sure enough, it went out about 15 minutes later, and I started to panic because as most little kids, I'm scared of the dark. I later found out that there was a power outage in my area because of a storm and my mom was notified because of it. She handed me this Nokia phone and she let me play my favorite game on it, which at the time was Doom. She told me to go hide under the sheets if I'm scared and that she'll be back soon. I asked where she was going but she didn't answer. As she headed out the room, she locked the door. I laid under the sheets, killing some monsters on the game for what felt like hours, but probably only like 5 to 10 minutes. Footsteps were heard in the kitchen, which was next to the room that I was in. So I took the sheets off my head and yelled out, Mom? Glad that she was back because... I was really scared, but no answer was heard. The footsteps didn't stop, so I yelled again. Mom, can you please come here? I'm scared. After I had said that, the footsteps stopped completely. I got a sudden rush of adrenaline, so I held on to the phone and dashed out of the room to the kitchen, which was empty. I was left puzzled, but didn't wait for long as I ran to the door, unlocked it as there's a key on the inside too, and I ran into the hallway. So this hallway has four doors. On the right side, there is one at the very back, which I was never allowed to go through. It also had stairs right next to it, leading to the second floor, and one on the front, which led to the outside. The fourth door, the one I came through, was the closest to the outside door, so I quickly opened the outside door, ready to run out, but the rush of adrenaline was gone, and I got scared of the outside too. It was very dark, and I was barely able to see. My only choices were 1. Go back to the room I came from 2. Scream for my mother I chose number 2 and started screaming for my mom over and over and over. I guess I wasn't loud enough because there were no replies. I remember starting to sweat and panic. Different scenarios were running through my little head. Scenarios like a murderer killing my mom and coming for me next, or my mom leaving me forever. I know, stupid, but I was only seven after all. I remember looking down at my feet and starting to cry. More footsteps were heard, but this time behind me. I looked behind me and I saw a silhouette of a tall person at the end of the hallway, standing in front of the door. I can't recall what he looked like because it was all black. I stared at him for about 15 minutes in pure horror. This got my adrenaline pumping again, and I ran out the door towards the outside toilet, only to be greeted by my mom, who looked worried as heck. After I told her what happened, through uncontrollable sobs. My dad was in the driveway already, parking his car. 
He searched the house, but no one was found. So my mom told me that it was just my imagination. But I know what I saw and heard. Fast forward seven more years. I live in another house and I randomly remembered about this incident and talked to my mom about it. She seemed quite hesitant about telling me about this, but at the end I convinced her to tell me. What she said gave me chills. Apparently, when I was four, I started to stare at one particular corner in the kitchen and laugh like crazy. My mom asked me what was so funny and every time I point to the same corner but never told her why it was funny. After a few months, the random giggles I let out when staring at the corner didn't stop. What made my mom lose it was the fact that I started speaking random German words that I've never heard before. We have no relatives that are German or can't speak German and I wasn't introduced to technology at that age either. My mom bribed me with candy to tell her how I learned to say the following words in German. It, help, candy, shower, and war. My response completely shocked her. I pointed to the same corner again and said, He taught me how. My mom kept her cool though. She asked me who I was talking about and I said, The man, the man who makes me laugh. My mom asked me what he looked like, but I only said he looked like a shadow and that he's from Germany. When she asked me where the man lived, I pointed to the second floor. This all made sense because I hated the second floor and I never went up there because I felt like I was always being watched. My parents took it upon themselves to Google the history of the house, and sure enough, it was built by Germans. I don't remember any of this, but my mom keeps on reassuring me that it happened. My father said he remembers it too, but decided not to tell me up until now. He said that I talked to the German man in the corner up until I was five years of age. I'm pretty sure you can put two and two together. But if not, the man I saw when I was seven was the same man I was talking to when I was four years old. Every time I go visit my grandma, I always get very uneasy. Story 5 This is a true story that happened to me long ago while I was 10 years old. This story happened in a small town in the leafy suburbs north of New York City in Westchester County. It didn't happen at my house but at the house of one of my good friends at the time, about a walking block away from where I lived. This is one of the towns in Westchester where there were huge suburban houses set among oak and maple trees. It is a safe neighborhood where I knew the owners of each house by name. The houses were generally quite large with multiple floors and several bedrooms. The house where this scary story takes place was extra large. It was not the shining hotel large but it was a large colonial house with five bedrooms on the second level. The family living there had five children ranging from 10 years old to the upper teenage years at that time. The night that this happened was a dark, cold night. The parents were out with dinner plans that evening and I was there visiting my friend Byron 
who is also ten at this time, and his older brother Jacob was twelve. These are not their names in real life. It was just the three of us in one large home on a dark night during October. I knew this family quite well, so I felt very at home when I was there. We were there goofing around that night, playing some games and watching TV. Three kids in a large, empty house. So, this is where the night becomes creepy. The three of us were in the kitchen, with the lights on, bright. It was around 11.30pm that night, so it was late, but not super late. The phone rang, and Jacob, acting as head of the household at 12 years old, answered. Hello? We then saw Jacob get a strange look on his face and hesitantly said, Just a minute. And then did something a bit odd. He rested the phone on a chair. It was one of those wall phones from the 1990s. I don't think people really use them anymore in our modern day. But in any case, he put the phone down and just left it there and then walked upstairs. I remember thinking it was a strange thing to do, but still could have a reasonable explanation. We were quiet for a few seconds, and both our facial expressions showed signs that we thought this was strange and odd. In a few moments, Jacob is going to be running down the stairs in a panic, screaming for us to all immediately get out of the house. But before we get to that part, Here's what happened upstairs. Jacob climbed the stairs and went into his parents' room, where there was a tabletop telephone. This is one of those old corded phones where you pick up the receiver and hold it to your ear. Not exactly an iPhone 10 or so forth, and there was no way to see who was calling. Jacob picked up the phone and said, Okay, I'm upstairs. What's up? A few moments went by with dead silence, and Jacob asked, Hello? Then the phone came, and it was calm but cold. Jacob, there's a bomb inside your house, and it's going to blow any second now. The other end hung up. He dropped the phone and felt panic rush throughout his body. He ran out the bedroom down the stairs, and started screaming, Get out of the house! There's a bomb in the house! There's a bomb in the house! We saw Jacob at the bottom of the stairs, running, and he did not waste any time heading straight through the foyer, and outside and down the stone path that led away from the house and onto the street. Byron and I ran with confused furry also. Jacob stopped running when he arrived at the other side of the street, on the sidewalk. He looked across the street at this huge house, looking very eerie on the dark night. The house had several lights on, and the front door was opened. It was empty. There was no one around. The neighborhood was still and quiet. It was just us, three kids, and the oldest being 12 years old, standing there on a cold October night at almost midnight, scared out of our wits and waiting for the house to burst into fire. I was feeling chills throughout my body and chills on my skin from the dark, cold air. Our jackets were still in the house and we could just go get them easily but we thought that the house could blow up at any second. Jacob explained what happened on the phone upstairs, and he thought it was his Uncle Jerry. But now, he wasn't so sure if it was Uncle Jerry. It was bizarre that the caller knew he answered on the ground floor and told him to go upstairs. How could the caller know this? We all thought that maybe he told Jacob to go upstairs so he could have enough time to get out of the house before the possible explosion. We all stood there, 
we waited, we were scared, and we were cold. We thought the large, boxy, empty, illuminated house on this dark night would soon be in flames, or that there was a chance it would be up in flames. But it never blew up. However, we were still very afraid to go inside because maybe it could blow up then. Eventually, we went to the neighbor's house. The father there didn't seem to be as scared as we were, but he did call the police. The police searched through the house and Byron and Jacob's parents also arrived home. Soon after, we found out that the whole thing was some kind of practical joke, a prank call, and that there was never a bomb. We never found out who made the call, and Jacob, to this day, still has no idea who it could have been. And still, he says that at first, he thought it was a friendly call from their uncle. There are a few pranksters in the neighborhood, and the thing is, we were actually among the biggest pranksters in the neighborhood. Still, doesn't explain how the caller knew that Jacob was in the downstairs phone and that there was another phone upstairs. And further, it also seems like the caller knew who he was talking to. Who would do such a prank that is so sinister to a few vulnerable kids home alone on such a night? Story 6 It was 2am on a cold October night when I stayed up to finish a Sadie's poster for my boyfriend. Everyone was asleep, including my aunt, who was visiting us at the time. My aunt slept on the bed in the living room, and I sat in the dining room finishing my poster. The living room and the dining room faced each other, and the seat where I sat faced the backyard door. The lights were off, and the only lights on were the dining room lights. I was still working on my poster, and would glance up each time to check on my surroundings. Each time I glanced, there was nothing, so I would just get back to working on my poster. Now, it was a little past 2am when I decided to glance again. I glanced over at the living room at my aunt, who was sleeping, and then finally at the backyard door, which stared straight at me. And that's when I froze. Our backyard door wasn't like any common double sliding door but a single regular door with frosted glass. There was a white figure from outside the door looking at me. From what I saw, there was only the top half of the body and I couldn't determine if it was male or female. I also couldn't see clearly what it looked like because the frosted glass which made the figure blurry. I stared straight at the figure for about a good five to six seconds when the figure turned its back on me and walked away and disappeared. I wasn't frightened at first but a few minutes later I found myself covered in goosebumps and I started sweating as I quickly gathered my things and ran into my room. I never told anyone about this because I thought no one would believe me. A few months later, my aunt passed away in July. I wasn't able to see her before her passing because she moved back to Fresno with her son and I had to stay home to watch the house and kids. The night after my aunt passed away was when I first encountered another experience. I was up doing my essay for my summer class and it was around midnight. I shared the master bedroom with my sister, but that summer she had gone to Alabama for summer school, 
so I slept alone. I had all the lights off since I was working from a Chromebook only. A few minutes later, I heard my makeup drawer from the bathroom open and heard as if someone was digging and going through my makeup. I instantly stopped what I was doing and got up quickly to turn on my lamp. The noise stopped, so I turned off the lights and resumed my work. A few minutes later, I hear the same digging sound as if someone was going through my makeup again, but this time I hear my makeup palettes open and close, open and close, over and over again. I got up and I turned on my lamp and once again the noise stopped. A few minutes later I heard it again. This time it wasn't just my makeup that I heard. I hear as if someone is using my hair straightener and the cords from the straightener was banging on the counter constantly. I got up again to turn on the lights and this time the noise didn't stop. It kept going and going and getting louder and louder. And that's when I got scared and ran out of my room and banged on my parents' bedroom door. My mom finally opened and asked what happened. I told her what I heard, so she told me to sleep with her and dad that night. It wasn't until a few weeks after my aunt's burial that I told my mom about my experience in October. She then tells me that it was probably a sign for my aunt, the spirit who came to see me that night in October probably came for my aunt or was trying to warn me about my aunt, hence why it turned its back and walked away when it saw me instead of my aunt. What I heard during that scary summer night in my bathroom was probably my aunt's spirit visiting me and letting me know that she was there with me since I wasn't able to see her before she passed. Story 7 This took place around October when the sun was set around 7pm to 8pm. I was a junior in high school. At that time, I had a girlfriend at a different school and would sometimes take the bus to go hang out with her for about an hour or two. I'd take the city bus home and then get home around 8pm or 9pm. The city bus that I get off on is right by a forest and I would have to walk by that forest to get home. This particular night was extra quiet and I kept getting an eerie vibe while walking by the forest. I didn't think much of it. When I got home, my mom asked me to help her around the house and I did. I was outside on the patio cleaning while my mom was inside. I was talking to my mom. Our patio was small enough that you could talk to someone inside the house and they could hear you. And I told her that I've been having sleep paralysis lately. I used to not care about sleep paralysis much because I used to think that sleep paralysis had a scientific reason or some kind of cause to it. But at that moment when I kept telling her I felt something latch onto me. You know that stunned kind of feeling you get? Anyways, after helping my mom out, I went to bed. That night, I couldn't sleep because whenever I tried, I would experience sleep paralysis, aka getting sat on. The morning afterwards, I was so exhausted. I've never had sleep paralysis that frequently before. When I dozed off, I would experience sleep paralysis. I figured it was going to be a one-time ordeal 
and I didn't think much of it. After coming home from school the following day, I had to take a nap. As soon as I napped, I experienced sleep paralysis once again. This time, it was weird. I tried getting up, and I was able to. But my body wasn't getting up. It was almost as if my soul or spirit left my body. I was able to see what my soul could also see. At the foot of my bed was the only window in my room. So when my soul sat up, the first thing I saw was that window. Through that window, I saw a black hand with super long fingers. It was as if the hand was trying to crawl into my room. My soul fell back right into my body and that's when I woke up. I then napped for 15 more minutes. Ever since that occurrence, anytime I would try to sleep, I would experience sleep paralysis. It went on like this for about a week and a half. There was one particular night where I felt like I was going into sleep paralysis, but I heard a voice. The voice told me to be brave and to not be scared. It was quite a powerful and wise voice. I felt as if it was trying to protect me. I didn't fear that voice. I was able to get some sleep that night. I eventually told my parents and they didn't believe me. They just thought that I was BSing. But eventually they took me to see a shaman. The shaman said there's a dark entity in my room that's not supposed to be there. He slowly ties a string onto my wrist all the while chanting. After receiving the protective string, the sleep paralysis stopped. Story 8 This story is about my younger sister's encounter back in 2006. It's not made up in any way or form. However, I will use first person point of view instead of a third person to tell this story. Names have been changed to protect the identities of the people. We live in the boonies of North Carolina. To get to our house, you have to drive down a paved road surrounded by woods. Halfway down the road, the pavement stops and you continue down a gravel road. So down this neck of the woods is my house and two other homes that belong to my cousins, Joe and Antoine. We were still middle schoolers at this time and we caught the bus every morning at 6.55 a.m. It was October and the daylight saving had already begun. It was dark by 5 p.m. and it stayed dark until 8 in the morning. As the old folks like to put it, when the days are shorter and the nights are longer. My house is behind my cousin Antoine's trailer, so to get to the bus stop, I pass his trailer on the way there. It's a good three to four minutes to the main road where the bus picks us up. My cousin Antoine and I usually walk up the gravel road to the paved road where we join Joe and wait for the bus at the top of the road. For the past few days, my cousin Antoine had his mom take him to school so he could sleep in. So I had to walk to the bus stop on my own. I thought, no biggie. I've lived here all my life and I knew all the whereabouts of this place. There was nothing to fear. Or so I thought. I woke up this October morning and did my usual routine. Got dressed, 
put on my jacket, grabbed my book bag, and headed out. I walked down from my house towards Antoine's house. He told me the day before that he would not be catching the bus for the next few days or so. So I did not expect him to be waiting on me this morning. I walked down the road of my house and as I got closer to Antoine's house, I see a dark form of a person standing by the stairs of Antoine's trailer. That's odd, I thought to myself. Antoine said he wouldn't be taking the bus. I slowed down as I got closer to his house. The dark form looked at me. It was too dark to see the face, but I knew the eyes were piercing right at me. And as I got closer, the form seemed to be that of a woman. I knew then that it wasn't Antoine. This woman-like figure did not move. She just stood there and stared at me as I walked by. The hair on my skin stood up. And I thought to myself, The hell with this. I'm not going to call out to it. And kept walking up the gravel and the paved road until I reached the top and joined Joe. For the rest of the day, I thought nothing of it. I had convinced myself that my lack of sleep had caused me to become delusional. The next morning, I woke up, did my routine as I did the day before. As I walked out the door of my house, I felt a strange and uneasy feeling, but I shook it off. Again, I knew Antoine would not be taking the bus. As I walked closer to his house, I see the same woman-like figure standing by the stairs, as if she was waiting. As was the previous encounter, it was too dark for me to see the face of this thing, and I walked past it as fast as my legs could carry me. Mycee. A voice called my name out in slow motion, and it sounded like it was right behind me. I turned around and that thing was now gone. WTF was my only thought at the moment, and I walked faster and faster down the road. By this time, all the hair in my body stood up, and my legs felt like jello. I walked up the road, and I felt a sudden urge to look behind me. To my fear, I almost had a heart attack as I saw this woman, this thing, walking a few yards behind me. I walked faster and faster, and I tried to think happy thoughts. It felt like all the gravity was pulling me down and my legs were getting heavier and heavier. In due time, I finally reached the bus stop. Unfortunately for me, on this day, Joe was nowhere to be found. I was alone and scared, but I need to know if this thing was still following me. Gathering all my courage, I turned around and she was still there still walking up the road towards me in a hunch-over posture. The sky was getting brighter, but still dark, but enough for me to see that she had long dark hair that covered most of her pale face. My heart felt as if it could jump out of my chest at any moment. It was coming closer and closer. I was about to burst into tears, as I see Joe walking up the road towards me. At this instant, the woman jumps into the woods and was gone before I could blink. I had never felt so much relief to see Joe. Later on that day, 
I told my sister and my mom about what happened. My grandparents tied a red string onto my wrist and said a chant while doing so. Ever since then, I've not encountered that thing. There was no explanation of who that woman or that thing was, and I did not want to find out why it was following me. To this day, thinking about it still gets me scared. Thanks everyone for making it to the end of this October special. Please look out for my Halloween one coming soon. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the channel. I'll look forward to seeing you at the next one. Thank you.